Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. And I call this crossing the enterprise chasm. There's this huge gap between building a great product experience and then building an app that can be deployed within, say, a 500-person org or a 1,000-person org. There's never been a better time to be a builder. Modern technology, software, the internet has made it more possible than ever for builders and inventors to find problems and solve them. But when it comes to growing from helping individual users to helping companies and taking that tool to enterprise scale, it can be very challenging. That's the enterprise chasm. And that's what WorkOS exists to solve. Welcome back to Career Crashers. I'm Ryan, and we're continuing with our company series on some of the hottest up-and-coming startups you've never heard of, focusing in on WorkOS and learning about their mission and how they are helping startups start selling to enterprise customers with just a few lines of code. I'm Michael Greenwich, and I'm the founder and CEO of WorkOS. Hey, I'm Mark. I'm a software engineer over at WorkOS. WorkOS is an API that effectively expands your TAM your total addressable market. It's an API that you can drop in and we bring technology to you. We bring functionality and features, but at the end of the day, we let you go get bigger customers. We let you go sell to the big fish out there. Working with enterprise level organizations can be an incredible opportunity for a startup, but it comes with a lot of challenges. And early on in the process of building, you might not have the resources necessary to meet the requirements for that enterprise client. That's where WorkOS comes in. Essentially, every company I talk to that's building a cloud app has at least one big lead on the table that they could close if only they had one of these features. And so, you know, of, of all the different things out there, WorkOS is kind of, it's, it's kind of fantastic. You know, um, we save engineers time, but at the end of the day, we unlock revenue. WorkOS is an API, but on a bigger level, it's also an operating system for the next generation of work tools. And that's where the name WorkOS comes from. I do really think about this as an operating system. What is an operating system? It's, it's the thing that runs applications, that supports applications. And what it does is, is solves all the problems under the hood that every app needs, every component that every app needs that's undifferentiated. That's what the operating system supports. That used to be something like the desktop OS, but in today's world where things run in the browser and it's in the cloud and you're connecting to IT systems, it's kind of this fabric that stretches across many systems. And you could you can think about these API platforms like Stripe as being almost like a financial OS for your for your system or something like Plaid or Segment tying together all those systems. WorkOS we want to do that for workplace applications and, and the world of kind of IT management. That's evolving. This operating system for the next generation of work tools makes life a lot easier for startups, but it also helps startups survive. That's where the idea for WorkOS came from. From Michael's experience working on a different startup and running into this enterprise chasm himself and not being able to get over it. Kind of understanding WorkOS and where this company came from, the, the best way to understand it is to talk a little bit about what I did beforehand. So about five, seven years ago or so, I started this company called Nihilus right out of school. And Nihilus is an email company. And um, we started the company to try to change the way people communicate. That functionally meant building a replacement for Gmail and Outlook. We were actually going after the, the actual product itself that people used every day. So raised a bunch of money, hired some friends, built this amazing, beautifully designed desktop email app. And users love this. You know, We spent a tremendous amount of time around the design of the product, 
So we spent years building this, making it very performant, making it work everywhere. We decided to do the bottom-up normal SaaS company distribution. So anybody can use it, freemium, bottom-up growth. So fast forward about a year, a bunch of people are using this, and we're ready to start really charging for it and making money. Just like companies like you know, Slack or Dropbox or Airtable, we decided to go charge teams. So we go into those teams, those big companies that are using it, and say, hey, you should pay for Nihilus Mail. Like you have a bunch of people at this org using it. And what we found is that the people who actually bought software inside those companies was the IT department, the group around the, the CIO and IT. The feedback they gave us is, hey, we can't buy this app. We can't use it because it's not enterprise ready. They didn't really care about the notification sounds or the beautiful design or the fonts. They cared about things like security and compliance, authenticating through their single sign-on system, syncing users in so they could manage thousands of users inside of the application, provisioning and deprovisioning, all these things that are typically in the enterprise column of you know the pricing page. And we, we hadn't built any of that stuff, not essentially zero of it. We had just focused on the app itself. And looked around and realized that this was going to be tremendously difficult to do. And we, we didn't really have, honestly, the bandwidth or team to do it. And that's the reason we ended up shutting down that product. Having to shut down a valuable email tool that users loved led Michael to a bigger realization. And I realized that this is a systemic problem across the world of SaaS. There's countless people who are building new products and great experiences for end users that they can you know just grab the app, start using it. But when it comes time to actually like monetize that as a company and actually get distribution and, and build a business around it, there's this huge set of features that you need to have to actually get those customers. And, and I call this crossing the enterprise chasm. I gave a talk about this about a year ago. There's this huge gap between building a great product experience and then building an app that can be deployed within, say, a 500-person org or a 1,000-person org. And companies struggle through this. And in my case, with Nihilus Mail, it was kind of the nail in the coffin for that app. Even though we had great growth and users loved it, we couldn't monetize it. A lot of companies just kind of struggle through this, and it takes them years to evolve and has to build this stuff in-house. So after that experience, you know, we ended up shutting down that product. Nihilus pivoted to a different, a different business, which is a peer-to-peer API business. I took a step back and said, hey, this is one of the biggest problems affecting everybody building for the future of work. Every single app that's going to be used in the workplace is going to need these features. Let's build it into infrastructure. So let's build the Stripe for enterprise features, something with a great developer experience that just gives you all of these, you know, kind of features out of the box that the IT admins want. And this will allow developers of new products to focus pretty much exclusively on unique product features, things that actually delight users. And we can handle all the integration work and all the stuff around, you know, enterprise-ready features, things like single sign-on or directory integration, user management, session management, uh, security features, audit logging, all that stuff that, you know, uh, most engineers don't get super excited about building that stuff. In the same way, nobody got excited about payments before Stripe doing that in-house. We can provide that as infrastructure, and and my hope is what this ends up doing is is allowing a new category of products to thrive. If WorkOS is able to take care of making your product enterprise-ready, that allows a developer to focus all their energy on building a tool that delights their users and not splitting your resources and sending a software engineer to make things compliant, something that Michael and Mark both have firsthand experience with. It's always one of those projects that kind of get assigned to you as an engineer and it's outside of the core product, but you know you need it because someone else asked you for it. The same goes for like SSO. Some big company asks you for SSO because they want to use your product and someone has to go do it. They 
don't really want to. Um, and then it ends up being you know, a bigger project than they expected. And there's a whole bunch of maintenance going on. It always seemed like there, there should be a solution around this, but no one was kind of directly addressing um, or providing a platform for these enterprise features. For most companies that just got product market fit and are just scaling, it doesn't make sense to invest a huge amount of engineering work in these enterprise features if you just have a few leads. It used to be that it would be months of engineering work just to close one or two of them. But with WorkOS, you can literally do this in like a week. You know, you could go close a few of them. So it changes the, the equation there. And, um, you know, it's pretty sweet for relatively early stage companies to go land their first few enterprise deals. It certainly looks pretty good to your investors, um, for sure. So that's, that's one of the most exciting parts of the job is, is seeing those companies' businesses grow. WorkOS comes from a paradigm-shifting idea, an insight imagining a whole new category of tools that could be available if developers didn't have to focus on making them enterprise-ready, if that could be handled by WorkOS. But the insight into building WorkOS applies not just to the product, but also to the company itself, and how Michael thinks about building a company in a world where the software-as-a-service business model has completely changed what's possible. I think the shift to SaaS is really profound and it Im- impacts how businesses are structured and grown in this way that like most people don't don't fully grok. You know, in, in traditional enterprise software, what you would do is you would have a team of reps like reaching out to people, setting up demos and meetings, and the business growth was driven forward primarily by sales. Sales would give a demo, do a proof of concept, probably structure in some integration cost in it, you'd sign a big deal, and that's that's how it would work. And you would need to do that in order to support uh, compensation for sales reps on quota and you know all that all that stuff um sas is different so with sas today with work os you know you can get started for less than 50 dollars a month put in a credit card just like integrate your app land your first enterprise customer get all this tremendous amount of value for just a small amount and it's very similar to aws in that way you know you can sign up for aws and spend 10 bucks a month and you get the same aws that like pinterest is running on it's the same product, right? You're just using less of it, so you pay less. What's different here is, is actually how the pricing model grows. So if somebody integrates and starts spending you know, 50 bucks a month, they'll use more and more as their business grows and as it expands. And this is what we already see with WorkOS. This is kind of usage-based pricing across SaaS. So in month one, they might be 50 bucks a month, but in month three, maybe they're $300 a month. And then in month six, maybe they're $1,000 a month. And so what you get is this account expansion and this revenue growth each month. It's not that you're signing a big contract on day one that you renew in a year. It's every month they're going to keep growing and using more. And this is the magic of SaaS and usage-based businesses. And, and, and what it ends up breaking is that sales model. We are not signing a big deal on day one. And so you have to change how your go-to-market function works and change how you onboard customers. And the cool thing about that is you, you end up having a revenue machine uh, kind of the revenue growth. It doesn't look that impressive initially because all the contracts are starting off small, but you get this expansion and it's just kind of this almost like juggernaut of, of, of growth. And I think if you look at these companies that have embodied this type of revenue capture and business models in the public markets, whether it's like Zoom or Slack, you see this insane revenue expansion. Like uh, Twilio is another great example. You know, they'll, they'll grow like 30 to 40% year over year as a public company which is just bananas. Like, nobody does that. By democratizing access to your product and having prices grow as your customers do completely changes the business model 
and changes the way you can go about building a team. If you really embrace that as the growth model and revenue, it completely changes how you think about growing the team, where you're not going to be driven initially by sales, you're going to be driven by something else, which for us is developer happiness, helping companies integrate, and building a team that's just focused on product-led growth, product-led innovation. And that's where we are today. And if you do all that stuff right, you end up having an extremely robust, thriving business, and you can layer in sales. Uh, we're doing it a little bit different, doing it our way, but we're certainly following in big footsteps of companies like you know, Twilio, Stripe, uh, Segment, you know, which has recently acquired organizations like that. To build a product-first company, one that is truly focused on delighting their users, you need great talent. And so to build that team, Michael also rethought the way most companies go about hiring, focusing first on getting great talent as opposed to worrying about where those people are based. And actually, the first um, couple of people that joined the team were based in New York. And so I was spending a lot of time in California going back and forth and originally thought, hey, maybe we'll be bi-coastal at these two offices. And then we hired somebody in Brazil. And I was like, okay, maybe he'll be the the only only person kind of out of that bi-coastal. And then the next person we hired, I don't even know where it was, somewhere else. Like, And I was like, oh, we have to you know, make a decision here. What are we going to do? Are we going to have two offices with satellite things you know, with other people? Or, and at that moment, what I realized is we were able to access talent, uh, people who wanted, were excited to work on WorkOS with like really depth of experience and great intuition around the product that were just anywhere, you know? And, uh, and that just dramatically opened up the ability to scale quickly. You know, if you can only hire in San Francisco Bay area, just it's, it's kind of a maximum speed at which you can grow. It like puts this, this barrier around you in terms of what's available in the market, um, office space. It's not even about money. It's just like access to talent, just ability to hire people quickly. And what I realized with WorkOS is that there was a pretty, uh, kind of unique moment in time for this company to exist and a lot of opportunity. And so if you think about business opportunity in that way, the constraint for growth is just how fast you can do it. And not having to have a physical office or being constrained to a certain geography, be able to access talent and scale up quickly um, allows us to overcome that. The other thing I've realized since doing it is, is it just makes people kind of happier. Like you don't realize how much of a burden commuting is on your life. Just that time at the beginning and end of your day that if you're in traffic, it's stressful, you know, replacing that with the ability to hang out with your kids or go for a run or cooking dinner or something like that, freeing up that amount of time just removes so much anxiety in people's lives. And the people do fantastic work being distributed or not. There's nothing about being in an office that people are more productive. So as we learned in our episode on first base, having a fully distributed remote team can give your company a huge advantage. You can hire the best team members and allow them to work in a way that suits them best. When it comes to work OS, the first hire was Mark, who came to know Michael through rather serendipitous circumstances. Um, we had actually been roommates when uh, we were both living in San Francisco. After being roommates years before, Mark ended up catching up with Michael, and that led to him getting hired as the first employee at Work OS. Yeah, um, I actually talked to Michael as he was just starting WorkOS um, and closing the seed round. We uh, had known each other prior to him starting WorkOS, so he had pitched the idea to me. It immediately resonated with me. I think you'll actually hear this. If, if you ask anyone on the team, the answer will be, like, WorkOS seems obvious when you hear about the idea. And it had... It was a pattern that I had seen over and over again 
um, that I had implemented for different startups, um, for different consulting clients. And I just knew that there was a huge opportunity there to work on um, an enterprise platform to help people implement audit logs and SSO and directory sync and, and everything else that's a part of the journey going up market. Mark is a builder. He's worked at startups for most of his career and loves the process of diving into the details and solving new problems. That trait of being a builder, of the love for building something new, is key to what WorkOS looks for in new hires. Here's Michael with a little bit more on the attitude they're looking for. Building new products and going from nothing to something, from zero to one, is such an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. Uh, it's it's really almost hard to describe how challenging that is to do. And most people and most jobs and most companies don't need that. They don't experience it. They haven't gone through that. And so when I talk about looking for pioneers, we really look for people that have gone through that before and not only have gone through it, but have, have just loved it. And it's exactly where they want to be. And it's where they want to thrive. It's, it's where they thrive. Because there's so much to do at WorkOS that is in that zero to one motion. Like we have a few things built out in market and people are using it. We, we have a you know, great, great roadmap ahead, but there's so much more just brand new stuff to build. And it's just a fundamentally different way of working than going from one to five or one to 10, you know, in, in, in the metaphor. Um, and so what I look for there is people that, you know, can kind of just kind of carry a lot of weight in, in the sense that, um, with a lot of ambiguity in a project, with a lot of unclear direction, they're not afraid of going after it, and they will be the one that brings the, the concrete definition around that. They're comfortable talking to customers. They're comfortable maybe jumping into Figma, doing some wires. They can definitely write code and build stuff and understand how to architect it. And that's the, that's the part of the, the development that they absolutely love, that they like just are you know, driven by. Um, and uh, and you know, there's a lot of different signals you can look for, and people have done that. But it's really the the zero to one motion around thinking about building new stuff that we, that we focus on. Some of those other values, you know, you think about something like trust. It's really important in a distributed team to have trust because uh, you don't see the person sitting in the desk next to you. You have to trust that they have your back and they're also, you know, working incredibly hard to ship stuff and that, um, that you're part of a cohesive team together. So that's something that, you know, we not only, we don't really look for trust, but we try to build trust across the org and have a really, really healthy team that trusts each other. Being a pioneer means being comfortable with the ambiguity. It means being confident in your ability to make decisions, and it means trusting yourself to know the problem. Here's Mark with more on why being close to the problem is so important for him. So this may not apply to everyone, but at least for me, um, I've always picked startups that I could really relate to as an engineer. So I've worked at music startups because I'm really into music, uh, food startups, um, I work at WorkOS because I really relate to the problem and have seen the pattern over and over again. When you go after like a company or a product that, that you could really put your shoes in, it helps you to be able to make decisions for the product and move quicker. A lot of what happens at a startup is kind of synthesizing the patterns that you see in the market, the patterns that you see from talking to different customers and bringing those back as ideas to the team and pursuing them. A lot of times there's not a whole lot of discussion around those, you know, like maybe you, you kind of bounce it off the wall with a few people and you all agree that it's a great idea and you just go and do it. And it's, that also kind of brings us to hiring where it's, it's really important to hire 
people on early stage teams who are very versatile, who have the ability to work up and down the stack, front end and back end, to be able to implement those ideas and to run with them. WorkOS thinks about the hiring process a bit different than most companies. They're looking for someone with a pioneering attitude, someone who's comfortable getting out of their comfort zone and solving all sorts of problems. So we think of hiring, it's sort of analogous to like auditioning for a band. People come to us and they bring whatever instrument that they know best. Um, you know, so that's, that's sort of like whatever programming language that they know best. And we don't mandate that they know any specific technologies. And we just want to know if they can jam. So we have people do a coding project that's a take home. It's, it's, would be similar to, you know, recording like a demo tape of yourself. Um, and then you send it to us. And if everything sounds good, then we, we bring people in and have them jam with the team over a pair programming session, um, to make sure that everyone gets along and we collaborate well from that, that point. Um, you know, we have pretty high confidence that, that this person is talented and that they can jam. And, uh, our early stage team ends up, have you ever seen those, those bands that have like 18 different people that play different instruments? Um, that's, that's a bit like work OS. Yeah. We, we all, you know, we're, we're trying to find our sounds, um, trying to develop our products. And everyone complements each other in, in different ways. When it comes to building that band, WorkOS is focused on your ability to jam, your ability to fit in, to solve problems, and to work with enthusiasm, not on your traditional stamps of approval. We actually hired an engineer who, uh, he was 19 when we hired him. So we are really just looking for people who are builders. This particular engineer had a track record of open source projects. I ended up pairing with him and, and he clearly just knew his tools very well and navigated his development environment and the problem really well. Um, so we are just, you know, we're looking for fluency in, in programming, uh, not looking for people who can do algorithms or leak code well, not looking for people who have just put together a whole bunch of side projects just as kind of showcase projects, but um, looking for people who are comfortable um, breaking down problems, working on them, and have some experience shipping them. Whether in programming or another discipline, what's important is your ability to show that you've built stuff, that you've gotten your hands dirty and solved problems. It's about quality and not about quantity. It is pretty common to tell people who are early in their career to have a bunch of projects on their GitHub um, to showcase them. And people will put things together as just placeholders. It's, it's so sort of a more of a quantity than quality thing. I think it, it's, it's more important just to just work on something that you really care about. You know, I don't care if, if you have 10 projects on your GitHub or just one. Um, if there's one that you're really into that shows your passion for, for building, for shipping, that is way more valuable than, than having a whole bunch of placeholders. I love seeing what people have built themselves, like what they've actually created and, and done. 
you know, it's one thing if you've worked on a, in a big company and worked on something really small. It's like I worked on this one button on this one page. That to me is less exciting and less impressive. I want to see things that people have built more so end-to-end themselves and going from that zero to one motion. You know, I care a lot less about people's, like their grades or what school they went to or even like what company they've worked at. There's prestige is, is much less important than what can you actually do? You know, for a lot of people that I talk to, if they're active, like building random stuff or they have a GitHub, I'll just see like how green is the commit graph? Just how much can you build and produce? Are you a builder? Or are you somebody that tells people what to build or navigates, you know, politics in big companies? I'm looking for the builders. We want to uh, create, a, create a team that supports builders and creators. WorkOS is building the operating system for the future of work tools. They're providing APIs to make cloud apps enterprise-ready to enable developers to focus on what they do best by lowering the bar to enterprise features, unlocking more users and more revenue. If you're excited about that mission and could see yourself on the WorkOS team, the best way to get on their radar is to send them a pitch of why you're excited and what you can do to help. You can go to Crash.co to create your account and send WorkOS a video pitch that blows them away. To learn more about WorkOS, you can go to workos.com. As always, you can go to Crash.co to get the best career resources out there and to connect with a community of career crashers. As we continue with our series diving into great future-focused companies, you can find full, unedited interviews that are used in these episodes on our YouTube channel, as well as a ton of other great career resources at youtube.com slash career crash.